well, here here we are. So we have with us a very special guest. Um, Kevin, do you want to tell people who you are? Thank you. Hi, uh, my name's Kevin Hart. Uh, no relation to the other one. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Uh, but mm-hmm. we, um, uh, all three of us went to SIU at Carbondale together. We, um... Uh, we did some theater and some film stuff and some audio stuff a little bit, and um, mm-hmm. and uh, we, yeah. you know, helped out, you know, writing and you know acting in different capacities. And um, I, since graduating SIU, I've been working at a at a radio station, uh, WMAY, doing uh, doing news and weather, and I do a lot of community theater around town. And, uh, well, I guess you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. You want to keep your, like, but where where are you at? Because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in Chicago. Mark's in New York. Where are you? I'm in Springfield, Illinois. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I knew that. So are you clear. doing, like, news? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you doing that? Are you doing, like, news out of Springfield mostly and kind of, yes. like, the surrounding area? Okay. Yeah, mainly. So you're I not. Mean, just yeah. uh, you know, local politics and uh, and events and that sort of thing. So I'm really glad that we have Kevin on as our you're our first guest. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself before we got on that it's really nice that we have you who who work in recording professionally um because this is my first podcast and we are okay at it. So it, if you like have any wisdom um I mean like what do you I want I want I'm kind of curious cuz I was reading a little I mean, reading and watching a little bit of your interviews before today. I mean, nice. what's that? What's that like being like you? You do arts reviews. You do. So it's it's interesting. Um, there is sometimes some live newscasts. I mean, I do morning news, so there's usually a live one early in the morning. But a lot of it is pre-recorded, so um, it's uh, you know it's it's like recording anything, I guess. But uh, interviews are fun. It took me a while to get into like actually being decent at doing interviews um i mean we did a little bit in some classes i guess in in siu but i really just uh i mean like anything and and much like doing podcasts i mean you just have to do it enough and not so much trial by fire i guess but you really just hone your skills as you do it and i uh you know i started out you know interviewing a lot of my friends because i did a, a theater podcast um Excuse me. Uh, and I pitched that to the radio station in February of 2020. Hey, yeah. Uh, so uh, I didn't have a whole lot of content for the first couple of months. But, uh, I mean, I talked to my <laughs> friends. I had some friends that were doing, um, you know, remote voice lessons. And or there were a couple, like, because we have a lot of people also in the theater community that are really good with video and audio. And so we were able to do some socially distant productions. Uh, one of them was Songs for a New World, which is just four people, and they filmed that and streamed it. Um, so we were able to sort of make do until we were able to open it up and actually do more uh, more live theater. But, I mean, I started out just, you know, interviewing my friends, and then uh, I'm doing a regular segment with, um, with uh, Gus Gordon. He's been in Springfield for... I think thirty something years. He used to do uh, the local news and the weather, and he and he's been, and he's doing theater his whole life. Uh, so uh, I was doing a regular segment with him, 
Um, it's it, it's been fun doing it because it's it's really because I've always been sort of in tune with the theater community here in Springfield, but I've really uh you know, you know I I'm talking with like all these people who are doing all different shows and there's a lot of theater companies in Springfield and a lot of productions that go on, so it's fun to you know really sink my teeth and do it more than I I, I usually would. Um, it's funny uh for the listeners who don't know. Kevin was my boss for about a year, way back in college, and I don't think I was, like, a great employee of Kevin. I wasn't a good general manager, don't worry about it. Uh, no, 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 record, you were a good general manager, I should... For the record, I what, totally what forgot about this, so it's not just <laughs> listeners. I think I now remember that, as soon as he said, I was like, where was this? I was like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah. like, I also was like, what? Like, you guys worked for each other? I did not yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, so that's, like, kind of, I mean, Kevin, like, obviously, we were all, we were, as you say, we were all involved in theater. Um, but we had, like, a student radio station at uh, SIU where we all went. And Kevin was the general manager for as long as I was aware of the radio station when I was there. And then I, 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 we got involved through like a mutual friend and I, I was, I was like for the operations manager for like a year. I, I didn't really know how to like lead a group of people or run a radio station, but I always really admired that Kevin had like the knowledge of not only how the station ran, but also, I don't know. I mean, just like showmanship and a sense of, uh, production I appreciate Which that. Thank is, you. Yeah, and well, and it's it's really neat now that you're like out. You know, you know you found you found a community now, and you're out there plying your trade and and using that knowledge um, in a in a good way for a billion you know life reasons. And then the pandemic, we all kind of scattered to the winds after school. Yeah. So it's just nice to see what you're up to. Um, I wanna I wanna ask you because I would love to do a show just about your knowledge of the thing that you do for a living, but we wait, have to check. Wait, what, wait, hold on. Okay. I don't okay, want to Danny, move Danny on wants yet. to though. I okay. want to, well, you shared your Kevin story. I want to share mine. On, it's, Danny. Just, it's just fair. Share your Kevin story. <laughs> well, uh, Kevin, I believe we met back in the first acting class I took as a freshman. I know you were a year ahead of yeah. me. Uh, yeah. And we did Hootas, but Hootas, that Hootas, <laughs> uh, yes. but, that's not my story I want to share. I want to share because you are very explicitly the only guest I can share the story, which I think Mark remembers, is you were in my big muddy short right after the 2016 election. <laughs> uh, yes. which, but like that was one of my favorite big muddy shorts I ever did because I wrote it the day before the election. And I was like, ah, nah, nothing bad's going to happen. Hillary's going to win. Life will just go on. So everyone else's one was so depressing and I think, mean, to be fair, like, yeah, I, mine would have been depressing too if I waited a day to write it. But the theme was the movies, and I wrote a, uh, uh, it was about Star Wars, and you played, uh, you played a guy who really just wanted to go see Force Awakens opening night, but he had to go to his anniversary dinner instead. And some people walk in and spoil the whole movie for him. And I remember writing very explicitly in, like, my note to whoever was running the big money that time, like, please put in like a spoiler warning for episode seven in like the uh, the pl- program, and they didn't. But you know what? I think everyone had much more bigger things to worry about yeah. at the time. <laughs> but 
You were great in that. And you were great in a lot of my things I did. But that one's the one that always sticks out to me as like, that was a good one to do. Especially at that time. I think people needed to laugh. People needed, yeah, nice. uh, Yeah. yeah. I admire that. I I don't actually remember that story, but I admire that you went ahead with the lighthearted show instead of i don't remember I that particular big money. i want to mention for the listeners that the big muddy was oh, yeah. the monthly short play festival that our playwriting the, the, it was sort of like run by the playwriting graduate class yeah. at siu where we all went so that's what that's what we all we is. all wrote for it right and now here we are yeah. uh, now here we are is this now five we, years later so for you is this five years later yeah years? that have oh been five gosh. years since i was in school yeah Oh, you graduated 2017? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I think, yeah, so that next, it was like two years, really, when we were, because I I came in at like 2015, so I was like, it's interesting how there's, I don't, I don't want to like keep talking too much about like how our perception of school worked and and all that sort of things. Um, I did want to jump right, so... Now we are out here making content. Yeah. We we have this show that we release weekly, and it's about Pixar. So the big question is, what has your relationship to the films of Pixar been uh, in your life? Well, it's um, I grew up with a lot of them. I mean, I um, I I watched Toy Story very recently, um, it, which I realized upon watching it. I had not seen it in years and years and years. Um, really, I hadn't. And um, when Up came out, um, everyone was like, Kevin's a girl? And I was like, eh, that's a good one. That was before Kevin Hart became famous. So I was like, well, can only you, go up you, from here. Do you, do you prefer the Kevin? Do you prefer being referred to Kevin from Up or Kevin Hart, the actor? What, what is less annoying la- to you? I, I mean, I mean, I've gotten used to Kevin Hart, the comedian. I mean, it's I just I just realized that I was like, this is the cross I will have to bear. Uh, so. uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. All, I mean, all those. Uh, I mean, most of them. I'm pretty sure. I if I didn't see them in the theater, um, I saw them either with my friends or on home video or even streaming. Um, so the last time you had to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, they were all there until uh, the Buzz Lightyear movie, which was in theaters. I didn't watch it. I don't know if it was good. You're you're in you're in the right company because Danny has all these. Danny Danny has like and this like saga. I mean I mean this in a good way, but you really do have like so many stories about personal Pixar connections. Yes. It's incredible, and I am on the totally other end of the spectrum where a lot of this show has been me being like, ah, oh, a lot of digging here for me. So you're, you're, you're in the good company of, of me being kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm like watching these for work now, <laughs> but, but I mean, we're, it's, it's interesting what we've like been able to pull out of them. If, if you have to say, and this will ask this to everyone who's on, mm-hmm. if you have to, if you get on a deserted island and you have to bring one Pixar movie with you, what is it? I pulled up a list of Pixar movies to remember, like, which ones I've seen. <laughs> I swear, um, I feel like when I ask that question sometime, and our guest is going to say Shrek, and then I'll just immediately kick them out. <laughs> You'll be like, I think Shrek's hey, a what's good that? <laughs> you know. Um, uh, let's see. 
Monsters, Inc. I like that movie. I saw that one a bunch when it came out. Monsters, mm. Inc.'s a good one. We had a lot of people fighting for the Monsters, Inc. slot. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember how old you were when that came out, Kevin? And I know we could just look at the release date, but I just wonder what your life like. Where where were you okay. at when Monsters Inc. So came that out? was two thousand and one. So I would have been um, I would have been seven, I think, seven or eight when that movie came out. Mm. Um, we saw it in the theater. We had the VHS and watched it a bunch. Eventually, got the DVD when we got a DVD player. Um, and I was, I mean, I was, you know, it was 2001. I mean, it was okay-ish year until September. And we were in an all-school mass. And the uh, priest ran up and said the towers were hit. And we're like, what are you talking about? Because we were all like little kids. It was a big yeah, part of so, all of our lives. I mean, yeah, we were yeah, all very young yeah, when it was. Had you, what was, how were you around that time about like seeing movies in theaters? My parents... I, took yeah. me to a lot of them i mean we had a really cool really cheap theater right down the street called the esquire theater and mm. um that's where i saw uh the first spider-man uh that's where i saw uh scooby-doo tarzan um uh, something else that came out right when i was born that i don't remember but it they 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 demolished it recently but it was cool and it was one of the only theaters in town my dad told me that like actually showed like art house and like like uh, interesting outside of general release movies um they all got bought up by AMC so it's, you know was that one of those yeah. was that one of those places that would do like I had a really cheap theater which was cheap because after movies made their first like circuit in the big theaters, it would get, like, the second run or something, and that's why it was cheaper. Do you remember why it was, like, inexpensive or just was? I think it was just, it, like, wasn't a chain, and I think it was, it probably was a second run. Th- I'm guessing they would, like, you know, instead of throwing the prints in the garbage, they would send them to them and say, here you go, you know, show these. Mm-hmm. It was a small theater, too. It was, like, I mean, they had a, they had three or four big screens, but it was... I remember the hallway was like as big as my room is, which is not that big. And you just had to sort of walk to the left. And then there was like another really short hallway that had doors to all the um, theaters. Uh, now, I would actually want to ask, this is a little bit of a tangent for our show. We do tangents you... a lot, so don't worry about it. Oh, I love tangents. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I think it, I th- well, it's, it's like relevant, but you'll see if it's like you you do have a theater background and I mean, you were just in a production of Newsies. Yeah. So what was, we've talked a little bit about your first experience with like movie theaters, but do you remember your first like live theater experience? Yes, I do. Uh, 2003, which uh, the same theater, the Springfield Muni, which is an outdoor theater on the lake. Uh, we saw a production of the wizard of Oz and um, I was just blown away by it. You know, all the live special effects and everything. And that's another movie, like, we went and rented it and watched it all the time, the original Wizard of Oz, because, well, it's a classic, uh, and uh, it's really good. And, uh, you know, and my sister got into live theater well, uh, before I did, and she was she was doing shows out there and other theaters around Springfield, so I'd always go see her. But that, my, I think that was my first real, I did, I mean, I did some school plays when I was really young. But, um, yeah, O three, which I guess I was young still. I was like nine, maybe. Yeah, about well, nine years old. Yeah. Well, you just remind me of is that I feel like uh, 
Well, I, I don't think either of you know this about me, and it's really not that important, but it's a childhood memory just resurfaced for me, uh, is that my hometown, Valpo, Indiana, was the place of the Wizard of Oz festival for 26 oh. years. I just Googled it. It looks like they ended in 2008. Mm. And so one of my first more memorable movie memories, and this will actually come up again on this podcast, okay. because we went to the drive-in where they showed The Wizard of Oz, and then it was followed up by Finding Nemo. So in uh, our Finding Nemo episode, I'll probably talk about it again. It's another really but, good one. Yeah. Uh, but it was because, if I remember right, it's because one of the munchkins came from our town, and so they started putting on a festival when he got old. The actor, obviously, not like the character. Uh, <laughs> I'm clarifying that. Yeah. But Thank you. It was always, uh, that's what I think of when I think of The Wizard of Oz. I think about seeing it at the drive-in as a kid. Uh, obviously not the play version. I don't think I've ever seen that theatrical version of Wizard of Oz, even though I think it, it'd be really cool. It's it's one of those musicals where it is the exact like word for word like adaptation of the movie, which is cool. They spend a lot of time in Kansas, and I always forget how much time they spend in Kansas. And I'm like, come on, get to the yeah. yellow brick road already. Right before the pandemic hit, I believe I saw it. I'd have to look it up. I saw it in theaters on film, and I was like, oh, this is great. I haven't watched this all the way through since probably when I saw it at the drive-in, yeah. <laughs> whenever that was. On, on film, that's cool. I nice. see so many movies on film. I saw James and the Giant Peach this morning on film. Uh, nice. I love I Chicago have, for that. <laughs> well, I'll have to sorry. pull it out. I have a um a 16-millimeter projector, which I spent way too much credit card debt money on but um <laughs> i own a couple of movies on 16 millimeter and it's what uh, what do you what do you own i've never seen a movie on 16 millimeter i've seen a couple shorts, it's it's like but... it's like 35 millimeter but like not as good quality it's no, i no, don't no. know i know but like what what films do you have like tell me the names of the movies you have so i have octopussy um on her majesty's secret service um let's see gypsy with rosalind russell um Funny Girl. Uh, what else do I have? I have The Enforcer, which is like... Those are a lot of, like... I don't know The Enforcer, but the other ones are like, I, I recognize all these names, so like, yeah. wow. I yeah. didn't know 16mm prints existed of those. Yeah, there. some of them were like... I think some of them were like TV prints, because they because sixty millimeter was like and I, until like VHS tape or beta, that was like the easiest way they would have, because 16 millimeter prints are small and they're cheap. And so some of them, some of them are like in pan and scan. Uh, some of them are cropped into widescreen, and then I think some of them are like. And, and some theaters did do sixteen millimeter because it was cheap, and it would have yeah. been a, a smaller theater. Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to think what else I have. The Enforcer, yeah, Enforcer is one of the Dirty Harry movies. Oh, um, got it, got it. It was it was really cheap. I think it was two hundred dollars. So. <laughs> What's the power is, supply for, for, for that like? It is a, it just is a three-pronged sort of a regular hour power outlet. Just okay, sort of that's nice. plug it in all the right. wall. Quick question. Uh, I will, it, we're not, we're not going to talk about the movie at all, because I presume people listening to this don't want to be spoiled on Nope, but have you seen Nope yet? No. Uh, okay. Well, I'm not going to talk about the movie, but what's weird about Nope is that the trailer for Christopher Nolan's new movie is attached directly to the film. Like, it comes on after, like, the Nicole Kidman speech and everything. Uh, and I don't think that's ever happened before. But when I saw James and the Giant Peach this morning, it still had the trailer for The Hunchback of Notre Dame attached to it. Yeah, uh, that's which, that which that happens. Yeah, yeah, that's if you get the print from somewhere, 
And I think it's more common on 35 because a lot of those come from movie theaters and they just like, um, a, a, a lot of what happened is, you know, I mean, nowadays it's all digital. You can like, they, I think they send movie theaters a, like a thumb drive or not a thumb yeah. drive, but they send them like a hard drive. And after you watch it a certain number of times, it deletes itself. What mm-hmm. they used to do is they would just throw that mother in the garbage and just let it sit there. So that's why like people have found 35 millimeter prints of like the original versions of star Wars and like restored them. You know, George Lucas isn't going to do it. Yeah, I know um, they, there's a good 70mm one that occasionally gets out of the vault to be shown around LA. And I'm always like, oh, I wish that would come here. Yes. Uh, but it, so, I mean, I think it was easier that way. I, that's how they sent them because, I mean, realistically, with film, you would have to get a bunch of, like, small film reels that had two minutes of a trailer on it. Uh, and you'd have to. So I think it would. I guess it would have been more economical and easier to just have the, you know, 15 minutes of trailers in front of the movie on a one big film reel and then... But, yeah. So, Kevin, I don't know if you know the rules of our game, but it's okay, because I always repeat it for the listeners anyway, okay? Hey. So, mm-hmm. I published movie reviews on Letterboxd, and Letterboxd very recently added a thing that allows you to um look at what algorithmically is the most similar film to the film you just watched. Okay. The letterbox game is I will give you the first five films listed, and you have to guess what movie I watched. After f- two guesses, I'll give you the year the movie came out. After that, I'll give you the two additional movies afterwards, and then you either win or lose by that point. Okay. Um, one thing is, uh, we removed films in the same franchise, so when I gave Mark the Matrix a few weeks ago, there was none of the Matrix sequels there. Similarly, directors are removed too, so it's not like Speed Racer would show up if I gave him the Matrix. Okay? Uh, we're going to use Mark as a phony friend type of person here. That's what you okay. said, right, Mark? That's what you're going to do? Uh, oh, I, I but, don't know if we've ever talked about this. I just wanted us to both guess and like talk about why we made our guesses. Okay, I mean, sure. We'll, we'll see how this goes. Now, normally I get a list of 10 randomly generated movies and just have you pick a number. However... Okay. For the sake of a guess, and we'll do this for whenever we have guests, I just looked at the movies I saw and took the three highest grossing films. Okay? Okay. And I, I removed some. I removed a couple that had, like, the same director or, like, for the same franchise. But otherwise, all three of these movies are... And then I randomly generated those three. All right. So here is your first film and the first five movies of that film. All right? Okay. I mean, I won't give you the film. Obviously, you have to guess the movie. Anyway. So, movies are The Candyman Remake... Midsummer, Hereditary, The Skeleton Key, and Antebellum. And so these are all things you've seen in the last week, correct? Or, or like uh, roughly since the last weeks, time we recorded. Well, since we last recorded, so yeah. like two or three weeks. Okay. So I'm thinking it's like contemporary horror, maybe artsy a little bit. My guess is Mandy. Are you going to take that guess, Kevin, or guess something else? I'm going to guess Lamb. Lamb? It is not Lamb. Okay. Do you want to use Mandy as your second guess? Or yeah, sure. Want... Sure. Right. Just... What? What, Mark? Well, just, I decided, and I just, like, we both guessed, so also if we're both wrong or right. I'm just like, Kevin, uh, do well, you well, I gotta keep track of how many guess? guesses you have before you get to the next like... hint. I have to keep, keep track of how many guesses you have, okay? Um... No, it's not Mandy. Okay. Um, 
And uh, what was your first Lamb guess? Lamb was a good guess. Lamb, I will tell you right now, because this is sometimes I do this for a hint, neither Lamb or Mandy are in the top 25 films listed here. Okay? Yeah. The year this movie came out was 2017. So you are in the right direction that it is a contemporary horror film. Or is it horror film? I don't know. It is contemporary. I'll give you that. <laughs> 2017. Hmm. It helps me to think of like, so I think 2017, I was in school. So this is a horror oh. movie that we must have like talked about when we were like in college with our film people. Can I also remind you guys of one thing that I think you forgot with your Mandy and Lamb guesses? These are the three highest, one of the, among the three highest grossing films I watched in the last three weeks. So, obviously not counting new releases because new releases don't have this thing on there yet. Okay. The algorithm um, doesn't exist for new releases. Oh, I, I think I guess. know it. But Kevin, yeah. I'm going to say Get Out. Yeah. I also say Get, get out. out. Okay. All right. It's great. Haha. I had okay, to remove cool. us from the number one that's okay. related. But yes, it mm-hmm. is Get Out. Cool. All right. Dope. Movie two. Let's move on. All right. This one's a bit tougher. Sex in the City, the film adaptation. Confessions of a Shopaholic. Legally Blonde. 13 Going on 30. And Cruella. I think it's tougher. <laughs> mm. This is one of the ones where... I think I, I made this joke a few episodes back, but it's more about how well I know Danny's schedule than, like, <laughs> how these movies are all related to each other. I think I have... I'm going to say, I don't know, uh, The Devil Wears Prada. Kevin, do you have a guess? This time this time I will have it be like a competition. I'm not going to be like, oh, take, take, you take Marx as a guess. But um, I will... <laughs> I will... Um... I will guess something different than, um, how about 101 Dalmatians, uh, the one with Glenn Close? I I will let you That's guess something one. else because I remove franchises from it. So oh, 101 shoot, I'm sorry. It can't. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. You can guess something else. I'm not well, going to count it as these a rules boss. Too. It's taken me basically till this episode to get it right. She's the man. All right. I have good news and bad news. She's the man is not even in the top 25 films. However, okay. I did watch Devil Wears Prada. So it is Devil Wears Prada. So. Oh, great. Okay. All right. Awesome. All right. Woo. All right. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. First Man, Gravity, The Martian, the Apollo 11 documentary that came out a few years ago. I need to clarify that because I just say Apollo 11. I don't think that's going to tell you what that movie is. And then the right stuff. I'm going to guess Transformers Dark of the Moon. Okay. What's your guess, Kevin? (laughs) Um, Shoot. What was that movie Um, with Ryan Reynolds? Life, is that the name of it? Where it's like Venom, sort of? I don't know. All right, uh, both oh, of you yeah, are wrong, yeah. and both of those are not in the top 25. I had to watch that movie, though, for my Marvel podcast, and it was terrible. It, okay. It was it was bad. Have you seen it? It's it's rough. No. Don't watch it. No, it's right, bad. What, Transformers? No, I've seen... I, I'm just... I know all those movies are <laughs> bad. I, you know what? The one, the one with King Arthur is really 
something. I mean, it's awful, but it's really... I, 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 oh my I, gosh, actually, okay, wait, hold on. So, right now, this is my, t- I think Transformers 5 is, like, by far the best, well, okay, first one's fun, but, like, Transformers 5 is, like, an experimental movie that they, like, accidentally let out of the studio because of how bizarre like the filming and the production is what are your thoughts so weird it's awesome yeah i just like comparing it to samurai jack because it has a lot of aspect ratio changes but unlike samurai jack there's no actual reason rhyme or reason any of them it will like they're like in the middle of a scene they'll be like talking and it'll be like (laughs) yeah i'm like pick a lane oh i that's another thing with uh short tangent i'm like man i know not every scene is an IMAX scene, but, like, if it's in a general release theater, just crop it. Like, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, unless it's, like, a film, like, everything or all at once, where it doesn't matter where you see it, it's gonna have aspect ratio shifts. No, but yeah, that's I what I mean. Yeah. Something like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got it. Alright. So, since you both guessed, I think when we play with guests, see, we're figuring this out as we go along, we will do this competition as format, but after, you only get three guesses each, so mm-hmm. now I'll give you both the year. All right. So the year is 1995. 95. Miss Congeniality. <laughs> wait, wait. Okay, give Marcus. him, give him the, give him the titles again. All right. The titles were. Oh wait, wait, wait. I think you're jumping back around, Kevin. The titles were First Man, Gravity, The Martian, The Apollo, oh, The no. Documentary, and The Right Stuff. No, it's okay. I just realized he jumped back to the Double Wars product category. I was like, oh, all right, okay. sure, whatever. You know what? All right, let me. Um. Okay. 1995. Space-ish movie. Um. Space adjacent, I guess. Um, uh, Apollo 13 didn't come out in 95, I don't think. Um, uh, I don't know. I have no clue. I'll say Apollo 13. I don't know what year it came out. Well, I'm going to not let Mark guess because before I recorded, I accidentally yelled, Oh, Apollo 13. I was like, Oh, shit. I hope Kevin didn't hear me say that because that's one of the ones I'm using. Oh, is so, that my right? Yeah, it's Apollo 13. Yeah, oh, wow. Right. Yeah. This was the number one movie at the box office on my birthday. Like, nice. So I third 1995. It's a good one to have. <laughs> yeah. I think my misdirection guesses with space movies were better than my usual actual guesses for movies. I was gonna say Contact to again throw off the scent, and I was I was very proud of that too. But yeah, no, that's you, Kevin. You know more movies than I do. Like, I was very impressed by your your guesses. Yeah, I feel like I could have uh, like, I could have gone yeah. without the uh, box office mandate that I added for guests with you. But I'm gonna still keep it in because who knows how our guests are gonna be <laughs> after this. So, so I have my own game. Um, this is the so this is the game of lists. Now, originally, this game was going on the internet and finding some list of movies, some ranked list, and then picking two off of them, and Danny would pick which one was ranked higher. Now, as we've done a few episodes, I've kind of found that this is like me picking some random list that no one cares about, and then Danny telling me why the voters are racist, and then (laughs) we pick the movies, and it's like, all right, fine, but it's like, I don't know, I want to partly... An issue that I was having was a lot of these were based on, like, people's votes about, you know, kind of subjective, 
you know, what people think is like the best movie in a certain category or whatever. So I think going forward, I want them either to be like obviously funny or I want them to be a little more quantifiable. So this week I brought something that is quantifiable and hopefully a little zany. So um, there is a list, but it's not going to be exactly like the most of something. So the list I've got right now, I'm on the Wikipedia page for the list of films with the longest production time. And I'm just going to ask some questions about this list. First question is, movies with longest production time, what do you think is the movie at the top of this list? For the longest production time? Um, yes. Does this list include li- uh, animated films, or is it just live-action films? It has animated films, live-action films, American and uh, international movies. It uh, It's pretty comprehensive. Okay. Um... Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have a guess, Danny? I do, but I think it's wrong because I feel like it would be something I would know because I saw this movie recently, but I'm still going to guess it, is that I recently saw this stop-motion horror film called Mad God that began production in 1981 and just now came out. So I'm going to go with Mad God (laughs) because I I know it had a long production time. I do not know if it's the longest production time. Oh, Mm -hmm. wait. Can I change my vote? Can Uh, I change my vote? Sure. I'm gonna go with the yeah. other side of the wind, the Orson Welles film that came out in like 2018, because that's how because it was in post production that long. I'm gonna go right. with that one. <laughs> All right. All right, Kevin. Um, uh, Thief and the Cobbler took a while to come out, didn't it? That's a pretty good guess. I'm gonna say, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna guess that. All right. So these were actually all really good guests. Guests says, and the answer was the other side of the wind. Um, which is available now on Netflix. You can all check that out. Um, great job guessing Mad God and the Thief and the Cobbler because just like two spots below the 48-year production time of The Other Side of the Wind, uh, Mad God took 30 years and the Thief and the Cobbler took 29. Very nice guess. Are those so the top are, three then? Uh, top three. Oh, well, the top three are kind of... There's um, The Other Side of the Wind, The Overcoat, which I believe is an animated movie... <laughs> Which I do, I believe the overcoat is one of those movies that is made. Well, I can just look it up. I believe it is one of the things that's made by like painting on glass. Oh, so okay. yeah, it's a, a Russian film. Oh, okay. I can like, yeah, I believe I believe it was painted, but like you can go read about the overcoat and I think see a bit of it too. All right, next question. So, I recently saw Nope. I saw it. Uh, when it came out and this was going to come this is going to come out two weeks after we record this so with nope uh as some of you may be aware it had the preview for avatar 2 the way of water now i think avatar 2 is known for being a movie with a long production time on the wikipedia list for long production times there is one other movie that has the exact number of years as Avatar 2, The Way of Water, listed as listed for its production time. And, I mean, there are two, actually. One of them is a Polish film. The other one is not. I think everyone knows what movie had the same amount of production time as Avatar 2, The Way of Water, but I want to see if you can guess it. I think I know it, too, so I want to see Kevin guess it, too, before I do. Okay. I, I, I mean, I'm pretty I mean, this... sure I have it locked in my brain, what has to be. 
Okay, because see, I could be, this is kind of a deceptively difficult quest, or deceptively easy question, because it sounds like it could be anything, you know, just any random movie, but no, I guarantee, what is the movie that had the same amount of years of production as Avatar 2? Food Fight? All right. Can I, Good, can I try another uh, guess? Try okay. another guess, which is fine. But then, but then can I guess. explain it very confidently? So if I'm wrong, it's really funny. One, yeah, one totally. More, okay. But one more guess. One more guess for Kevin, though. Okay, yeah. so it's not food fight then. Okay. It's not food fight, but good guess. Food, food fight did take a while because mm-hmm. they wanted to <laughs> launder <funny>. money. <laughs> they wanted to the, launder money or something. I don't know. Um. Yeah. Doesn't that seem, that's the joke about Avatar two and when people you know people are like seeing it come out and they're like, I really don't know. I have no clue. All right, all right. Uh, Danny, I, drop I, the knowledge. Right. So I know Avatar again. Encyclopedic knowledge of when movies came out. Avatar came out December two thousand nine. Ergo, production of the film since it was such a big hit, I have to believe, began in twenty ten. Very soon after, it has been twelve years since twenty ten. Boyhood takes place Gosh. over twelve years. Yes. So, Boyhood is the right answer, and it sounds like such a bizarre question, but it just absolutely tickles me that Boyhood, which is famous, it's probably the most famous movie on this list for having a long production time, has taken the same amount of years as the sequel to Avatar. So, like, we could have had the story of like James Watterson or whatever his name is, like growing up and growing old. Who is the lead in that movie? Sam Watterson? Sam Watterson. What's I his name? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we could have like Sam had Worthington? the story of him like Sam Worthington. We could have like oh, grown I a you child. Boyhood. I was so confused. I, was like, I, I will say what blows my mind the most about Avatar Two and how long it took is that it took the exact same number of years. Because I know, it, obviously, I knew this wouldn't qualify because James Cameron didn't immediately go to work on Avatar after Titanic, but 12 years was between Titanic and uh, Avatar, and then it took another 12 years to get to Avatar 2. And that just feels so crazy to me, because I remember seeing Avatar, right? Yeah. But when Avatar mm-hmm. came out, it was like, it's been so long, but then it's like, now it's like, yeah, it's been a while, but like I can remember the entire span of time in between, so whoa. Next, and this is going to be my last question about this list. So today we're talking about Toy Story, right? And, I mean, I'm sure you can guess that this, you know, it's on the list because it's the first of its kind in a lot of ways, and obviously. Um, Which had a longer production time? Toy Story or Shrek? Shrek, I think, had Mm. a longer time. I think because they had... I I know because they had Chris Farley and then they had to redo all of Mike Myers' dialogue, and then he redid his own dialogue because he wanted to do a Scottish accent, and I think I think that is another movie they had wanted to do for a while, and they were sort of working on it for a long time. I have no idea about Toy Story's production history at all, so yeah, I'm going to guess Shrek. Yeah, I would say my guess... See, I get what you're saying about Shrek, and I think the thing about Shrek, to me, that might give it the edge, but I'm, to be clear, I'm not actually going to say Toy Story, but I'll get to why, but the thing that also might give Shrek the edge is, as far as I know, maybe they're trying to do it in traditional animation, and then they did it in CGI, because it's based off something, as far as I'm aware, but I'm going to actually say a Toy Story with the caveat that it will be like how, I don't know if Tangled's on that list, but Tangled, technically speaking, Tangled, if you want to like put an asterisk next to it, I believe is the longest in production film, because... Walt Disney himself was trying to work on a Rapunzel movie for a bit, but then they put it on the back burner, obviously, until it finally became Tangled in 2010. But that's like a big asterisk next to it, because there were so many years that was not being developed. 
But I'm just going to say Toy Story because I feel like probably from Tin Toy onward, they were trying to make that. And that's about seven years. You know, like they were trying to make a movie about toys. So I'm going to go with Toy Story personally. According to the list of Wikipedia, it is Shrek with six years and Toy Story with five. So, Mm. well done, Kevin. Well done, everyone. This has been the game of lists. So now... I think uh, we gotta we gotta talk about why we're here. All right, I gotta give my little spiel about Toy Story. Toy Story released in November 1995, just a few months after Wee Little Danny was born. It is obviously the first ever fully CGI movie to be made. It is a landmark film for a lot of reasons. Fun fact: my other podcast, The Snub Club, will eventually cover it because it did not win a competitive Oscar, even though it got nominated for quite a few of them. Uh, it is the only other Pixar movie, only movie we'll cover on this podcast that I will cover on that podcast as well. Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, Toy Story. 81 minutes long, 79 minutes about credits. Arguably the most influential film of the 90s, I would say, because it, without Toy Story, you don't really have computer animation. Because if, let's say, because the second computer animated movie ever was Ants. Do you think Ants would cause the entire like, animation industry to change itself to try to chase it? No. Not for a Bug's Life. And I know people like a Bug's Life, but it's nowhere near Toy Story. Yeah, I think if the <laughs> only, like, fully CG movie people saw for the first time was Ants, they'd be like, nah, go back to drawing. That's awful. No. <laughs> well, I don't know if you, you heard our... Did you... I, you don't have to. I don't I don't force our guests to listen to previous episodes, but I remember in our... Uh, our Brave Little Toaster episode, we had an anecdote I that John... Brave Little Toaster. Yeah, we, we did a detour episode on it because... Oh, it, my... Well, that, that came up really fast, and we... I think we were, we did, like decided to record it like a few days before we did, but, like... Okay, go on, Danny. Well, yeah. there is an anecdote in it where John Laster, at the time, wanted to direct Brave Little Toaster and pitched it to Disney as a CGI movie. And he was he was asked, well, will it be cheaper? Oh, no, no, like... No, excuse me. How much will it cost? And he was like... Don't worry, it will cost just as much as your animated movies, nothing more. And that made him lose the pitch, because the person who tried Disney at that time was like, well, if it's going to cost the same, what's the point? Because it needs to be cheaper. Like, that's the only reason I want to do it on a computer. Um, I don't know why I brought that up now, but I do think it is, like, this is what happens when he gets... Well, when they all get to make it. Because, yeah. as I always disclaim on this podcast, and I will especially now with our guest here... We recognize John Laster as a very problematic person who should not be currently working in Hollywood. Oh man, everyone everyone get out, you're looking for the ocean bingo cards. (laughs) Well, I feel like I gotta mention it with our podcast, with having a guest here, because we are going to talk about his direction. I don't want Kevin to feel awkward about possibly, like, complimenting the direction here or anything, but problematic now, but we gotta talk about this movie. It's still Toy Story, right? It is still, like... Kevin, drop your... I just looked Drop him your, up. Sorry. No. <laughs> okay, oh, there we go. See, this this is my thing, Danny. Is I think that like, I don't know. You have to be in like the world that knows about that, which is not to say that he's not a problematic character, but it's like he might never come up in, in the discussion. Movie. Or the other person. I don't even know the other person. Okay. Oh yes, I do. No, never mind, <laughs> Kevin. What's what are you? My are you talking about the original Brave Little Toaster, which I had never seen, but I watched the second one. The original Brave Little Toaster that was on like constant rotation at my house when I was younger. In VHS form. Yeah, it was on VHS. <laughs> but you didn't. <laughs> I would love a sixteen millimeter print of it. That'd be awesome. 
It's all, yeah, <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure it doesn't really exist in a widescreen format, so it would work well too. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, watch, I, and watching it all the time. I watched. I, that's just it. I just I watched it all the time when I was younger, and I love it. And it's um, I found it. I found a DVD of it like ten years ago, and got it, and you know, watched it again. I think it's a a wonderful movie, and it's uh, um, I think people have really it's come around as sort of like a really brilliant movie in recent years. I say this. I mean, this is another bingo item, but like, I'm pretty sure the first Pixar movie that I really have strong memories about was Toy Story Two. Um, I mean, every everything for me goes back to me watching movies when I went over to my grandparents' house, and I was on the phone with my mom the other day, kind of talking about this, and she said that, like, when I was too young to remember, really, I guess, but I would go over to my grandparents' house, and they always wanted to, like, do things with me, and apparently all I ever wanted to do was eat noodles and sit in front of the TV and watch VHSs. So a lot of these were like Toy Story 2, Home Alone, and I think National National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation are some of those titles. Nice. And I guess, yeah. Oh, and the other thing was renting Scooby-Doo movies from the video store because that was when they were releasing like those little, like 15-minute, the animated shorts, but they were yeah. like, What's new, Scooby-Doo? Oh, those um, ones. Those, okay, yeah. never mind. I was going to say, I have such a traumatic anecdote about Scooby-Doo that I'm not going to drop this episode, <laughs> but I'm sure it will come up at some point on this podcast. <laughs> about the direct-to-video Scooby-Doo movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because I'm thinking it must have been around that time when I... I mean, it must have been, like, grade schoolish. You know, it came out in 95, so it must have come to me through video. It got swept in there somehow, probably some video rental or maybe we we did own it um but I, I probably just it was one of those things where it just became part of the soup of images that i was taking in so that's that's how long it's been in my life and i think there was like a long time without it probably and then i think i i rewatched it maybe twice in the last month because i knew we were doing it for this episode and then i watched it again this morning to take some notes so that's my background of watching it Dude, should I go? Should I go? Well, well, not you, Kevin. That makes sense. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, similarly, um, I remember watching Toy Story 2 on TV a lot. I think we might have taped it at some point, although I don't know if we... I don't think we still have that VHS tape, but yeah, I watched that. We had Toy Story, I think. I think we we rented it a few times. I think we actually did have it, but that was always... uh, I mean, that that was a movie that me and my friends, you know, when we were like young I, I think we probably had it on um and it was um maybe i mean i'm gonna be honest i don't know if it was the biggest part of my childhood um but i do have memories of watching it um and um and um i i think i watched two at my grandparents house i do remember that sitting in front of that tv but yeah i mean i watched the two of them toy story one and two periodically i guess when i was younger um, eventually saw Toy Story 3 at the drive-in, um, when it came out, and, uh, actually have not seen Toy Story 4. Come on, Which man. drive-in? I know. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> there was one in Belleville. We're all it's kind Spring- of from the same area. In Springfield. Spring- it was, oh, um, that's right. Okay. Uh, for yourself. I'm nowhere near you guys. Sorry, go on. <laughs> well, you lived, we all route lived 60- in the same space for two years. Yeah, but, Route 66. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a Route 66 mm. drive-in. That happened to me um, when I saw uh, to the drive-in to see Maleficent and Edge of Tomorrow 
And like obviously Edge of Tomorrow is the better film. And uh but the guy I was with didn't want to jump his car till Edge of Tomorrow was done, so I watched the second half of Edge of, Edge of Tomorrow with no audio and I was like, This is why am I still here? <laughs> um Man, I don't know how drive ins work. What are you all talking about jumping you, cars? So what you do is when you get into the car, um so you drive into the movie and they have a special AM radio signal and yeah. you you have to just listen to it on a radio channel. Um, and that runs down your battery if it's there Which for two hours. Oh, Wait, Mark, okay. you didn't realize this? The reason I say this is because when we did our knickknack episode, I shared an anecdote about how, you know, I just said we saw Finding Nemo at the drive-in, right? With Wizard of Oz. Yeah. But my dad wouldn't turn on the car because he's like, it's just a short, you don't need the audio. And I was like, it's only three minutes, so who cares? But whatever. You know, like, so Mark, when I, I showed that was story just your dad, you're like, like, whatever. Like, <laughs> I thought that was just your dad being like, oh, well, let's just hang out for a bit and just not listen to the audio for whatever reason. But I no. I did. I mean, I, I inferred that it came through a radio channel, but I didn't know you actually had to, like, be ready to restart your car because it was so draining on the battery. I didn't know that yeah. there was this, like, danger involved. Okay. I'm going to tell an anecdote that will lead back to my thing of Toy Story by talking about Finding Nemo for a second. Is that I remember once I went to this... Um, I think I was in fourth or fifth grade. I went to this church thing function where they were just showing Finding Nemo while the adults were doing other stuff, like a meeting or whatever. And I remember my friend Brian, I believe it was my friend Brian, who was like, I have this whole movie memorized, want to watch? And I was like, uh, sure. And then sure enough, he had every line of dialogue and Finding Nemo memorized with his back turned to it. And when I was watching Toy Story a few days ago, I was like, you know, I'm a little drifting out of this because I've seen it so much, but I'm pretty sure I could do that. I'm pretty sure I can recite this entire movie along with it as it goes. Because this was my most watched VHS tape as a kid. I was... I can remember at age four being hyped for Toy Story 2. And I'm going to... Kevin, you're the only person here who's allowed to talk about Toy Story sequels. Because you won't be back here when we talk about the Toy Story <laughs> sequels. So I won't talk too much about 2, well, I don't know. I wanna... 3, and 4, and the Buzz Lightyear movies. Plural on the movies. Uh... <laughs> And that's be that's because we have a variety of guests pre-scheduled, not because we don't want Kevin back, which I do. Yes, yes. To clarify, it's not we don't we, we love you. You're like because you're never coming back again, Kevin. So get your thoughts out now. Okay. Well, if you come back, we'll fear for a Toy Story movie. We'll put it that way. It'll be for something else. Um, yeah. but uh, yeah. So I wanted to change my name to Buzz. Obviously, Buzz is the coolest character in this movie. Since I've grown up, uh, because. I'll talk a lot about Buzz and my relationship with this movie as a kid throughout this episode. As I've grown up, I think Toy Story has always been the one I overlook because I look at Pixar, and I've said this before on this podcast, it is an emotional studio, and Toy Story 1 very much is not trying for emotion. Although I will say, I think I think there's something, and I think this naturally comes to being older, and also of how our... Um, Culture is so nostalgia obsessed in a sense, yeah. where at the end of this movie, the last ten minutes do give me chills. Now when I watch it, where he's like, "This is the part where we blow up, not today," and like we get to see that iconic moment of them falling the style, and I just get chills watching it. Like, yep, this is when history was made. Was this mm -hmm. this brilliant moment at the end of the movie, um, where it pays off everything? I think there is an argument to be made that even though I always look over Toy Story as a film, because I do think two is better. I think it is a perfectly constructed script that has no fat on it at all. 
Because it's 79 minutes. It's, it's, but it's short. But it still feels like you're getting but the full experience. Yeah. But what I also think of, I always make this comparison, which is Snow White. And obviously filmmaking is way different in the 1930s than it is in the 1990s. But even like Ants, right? Like, if Ants was the first one, it would not have stuck. The fact that Toy Story is so good as a movie is just like, they knocked it out of their part, the part first try. And of course, they remade Toy Story so many times. We all know the story of the Black Friday, I assume, uh, where they screamed a version of the movie where all the characters were just so horrible to each other. And they're like, we're going to pull the plug. And so they re-storyboarded the whole movie over the weekend, re-pitched it to that studio. was like, oh, okay, no, no. Why don't you show us this on Friday? You know? <laughs> like, but yeah. What were you going to say? Re- well, rewatching it this morning, I felt kind of the same way about the script that it's, it's so, it's, it's, it's intimidating watching the movie and imagining how much must have gone into rewrites because it is so tight. And you wonder where that came from when you have all this technical stuff going on. And if you do, you know, if you do rewrites, it's like you got to bring these actors back into the studio. And the, the script of animated films is always so fascinating to me because it's not like, oh, we're going to have all the live action actors on this set and, you know, we'll get some new pages to them this morning. It's like every change is months of, it's potentially like, weeks or months of of work so to see something like this where it's like all right three jokes plot point three jokes plot point love scene five lines plot plot point it's just like it's like whoa just wa- just watching that it's it's like you you don't laugh all the time because it's so impressive because you're enthralled with it i mean it's it's a it's a story you you care about um yeah. Because my headphones just fell out, and I'm going to put them back in while I'm talking. <laughs> That's what um, happens when you feel strongly. Because um, uh, it's very... Um, I also want to say the voice cast in this is stacked, and I forgot how stacked this voice cast we is. We definitely got to talk about the voice cast. Yeah, and we, can, and we can we can, we can, can get into that later, I guess. But um, but yeah, yeah so we're, there's we're all these... We're here now, we're here now. Okay. Well, but... you, you say it first, Kevin. Sorry. No, I was, I was going to yeah. say... <laughs> um, you know, you're really invested... Um, you know, just you know, from the get go, because everyone you know plays with, because because that's the sort of thing that I mean, I I guess it's not by any means an original point to say that, and I guess that's the crux of the movie. Like when you were a little kid, you know, playing with your toys. You know, what would your toys do if they were um not, you know, when you're not around? Um, and there, and and, and there's all sorts of different characters. Uh, there's different. Um, there, there's so many quick visual gags in this movie. Like one of them that I completely forgot about was, um, and another one of my favorite, you know, voice actor, like voice performances, Don Rickles as Mr. Potato Head, when, um, he tells Woody to kiss his ass and he has a, um, he has like the lips and he's just like hitting them against his butt. I'm like, (laughs) like, that's brilliant. You know, I mean, they, and like you said, tight movie, it's, you know. Yeah, with the, without the credits, it's like doesn't even make an hour and twenty minutes. But there's so much packed into it; it doesn't need anymore because it has all the big emotional moments and the jokes and the fun uh, that goes along with it, and the horror. Because um, that is that I was like, man, I don't know how this movie didn't scar me as a kid with <laughs> creepy Sid and all these you know toys. But 
Yeah. It definitely did to me. That's you mentioned like the iconic moment of them flying. And I think the other moment that I think is iconic is when the spider baby rises up and makes that sound. Yeah. I think that's like it was really interesting rewatching this movie and thinking about like iconic moments like when the T Rex yells in Jurassic Park and the banner flies down. That's like, ah, that's the moment. That's the thing that plays during your Disney Vault commercial, you know, the pan or up whatever the buzz. The Jurassic thing. Yeah, would be. that's what I'm thinking. The pan up yep. the buzz. Yeah, when you're Woody totally. Sees him. Yeah, it's crazy how much of that there is in this in this movie. It's like the perfect image, um, and for symbolic and just camera reasons about the voice acting. I just checked, and apparently this was Tom Hanks' first like major voiceover role. Well. And Everyone that's amazing. Was, you think about it, because the thing you need to remember is that celebrity voice acting didn't become popular until two years prior, really, when Aladdin came out. Three years prior, sorry. 1992 is Aladdin. Uh, I messed up my, my uh, brilliant... Uh... <laughs> well, okay, all, all right. I will, I will say we didn't talk about all the SNL alums in the Brave Little Toaster. Yeah. But that was a thing. Phil yeah. Hartman's in that. Yeah. But it's not to the extent that Aladdin comes around and yeah. he does. And what... What I always think about, and it's with Aladdin too, but more with this, is that, you know, Tom Hanks shows up in a movie now voice acting. I'm going to be like, oh, that's Tom Hanks. Or Tim Al- even Tim Allen or anyone in this movie, right? Who's like semi-big. But in this, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, they've always been Woody and Buzz, so that's just who they are. Like, yeah. I have to really listen to find Tom Hanks, even though it is just Tom Hanks speaking voice. Because it's, like, it's how I know them. It's Woody and Buzz. Toy Story 4 comes out, right? And just a couple years ago. And I'm like, yep, that's just Woody and Buzz there. And then Lightyear comes out this year. I'm like, that's just Chris Evans as Buzz, you know? Yeah. And has nothing to do with Chris Evans' performance. He's fine. But it's just like, you know, these characters are so iconic and so ingrained in my childhood that they can return so many years later and I don't hear their voice actors. There's something about um, Tom. I mean, I just thinking about Tom Hanks, especially, and coming into this because... You know how some some people are like really good actors, but they don't sound like voiceover actors, and that's not to say that things are bad. But you kind of know what a voice actor sounds like, just the way they make certain choices. Like you know, it's sort of it's sort of like how you can hear someone do dialogue in a musical versus a play, and you know, like oh, you're a musical theater actor, and that's that's the same way it is with voice people. It's crazy to me that Tom Hanks, who was like a live action comic. And I mean, I guess dramatic actor. If I'm, I might be a little confused on my dates. He did some dramatic but like, stuff. Yeah, this is yeah. around Forrest Gump this year after. So, so that's exactly what I'm saying. Is like Tom Hanks. It's wild. I mean, it's, he's always a live action guy, but he's at least that I'm thinking of right now. He has created two roles which are notable because of the way he delivered them and then there's so there's obviously Forrest Gump and then I would say Woody is amazing and I think that things like you are a toy and I mean there's other stuff in this but it's like it's it's crazy that this like live action actor came in and delivered iconic line readings what I, I want to say about the Aura toy scene very quickly because you brought it up and I thought of it earlier when Kevin was talking about a 16 millimeter prints uh, is that there's this Twitter account that I saw earlier this week where it's like feeder bootlegs from yes. like the past. And there's one they put up recently of the URI toy scene where it's just the audience laughing at it. And it's like, is this so weird to think about like 
this existing like as something new. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um, because I actually I saw this in theaters um, back in I think two thousand nine. They re released Toy Story one and two as a double feature in three D, and I obviously had to go see that because come on. It's it's one of those things. It's you know how would you have felt when it came out, and and would you feel what I felt rewatching it today? Would you just be like in awe of it, or do you just perceive it as like like a comedy action movie? Um. I think a, I remember reading at the time a lot of contemporary reviews. Like, that's what I'd have to look up Avi Roger's reviews, so maybe I shouldn't attribute it to him. But I remember there being a very famous quote about it. It's like, the marvel of this movie is that you forget that it's revolutionary after five minutes and you just enjoy it. Yeah. And, it's, a, uh, it's a rare movie that gets better the more it goes on. Yeah, that. I was going to say, uh, the third act of Toy like the last 20 minutes of Toy Story from Woody talking to Buzz on the windowsill. No notes. I mean, there's no notes on the whole movie. Let's be real. But, like, definitely there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And also, one thing I thought, one weird thought I had watching this in, like, how it... This movie is, in a way, designed to show the merits of CGI, right? Like, because, as I said, like, they were told when they tried to pitch Brave Little Toaster, like, why would we bother doing that in CGI? Um, And one thing that I noticed this time that I never thought of before, which is saying a lot because how much I watch this movie, is how much text there is on the characters that move. Because I think all the time, and even like, honestly, as a kid, the Buzz Lightyear cartoon, right? I remember thinking, why doesn't this thing always say Lightyear on his, like, badge? It's because that would be hell to animate. Like, it would be terrible to animate that. But this is like, oh, it's just a part of the model. And I thought about that while watching. It's like, yeah, there's like, there's there's text on all these characters. You know, the the sheriff. uh, Obviously, the Andy uh, boot print. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is like a very subtle way to show off this is what we can do. And of course... We've talked about this before, the idea, like, we're going to start with a movie that's about plastic figures, because that's what CGI just looks like right now. Which is brilliant. I mean, yeah. you know, because you notice that, and I know you've both probably noticed this, uh, you know, in this first movie, they show very little of the humans. They're like, yeah. they're in it, you can see their legs sometimes, cool. There you go. And that's why Sid and Sid looks terrifying, but it's okay because he's yeah. a monster, and he's the one you see the most of. Yeah, I mean that's it's that's that's kind of been what the previous uh, entries have been like leading up to is like there's this one short they do over here that's like oh they don't get the human right, but they've like discovered this thing about toys, and then we've also been talking about like the three D space how they make jokes like a 2D Looney Tunes cartoon, and then they also have other shorts which kind of explore humor, like visual gags in a 3D space. It's great. It's so wonderful that this movie has, like, it has, like, mastered both. Um, And also, I was watching this and thinking that what they found about how to make humans um, not terrifying, that kind of exaggerated style i think you see pretty well into the 2000s um with things i thought about like monster house which is spielberg that's that they could make the horror movie the humans in that one i mean (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) but i'm but i'm I'm just saying that like they have the same kind of like they're exaggerated in in like a cartoonish way yeah and the blueprint for that kind of comes from from the well, humans in Toy Story, which you're right, they smartly don't show that I think much of. even like, mm-hmm. uh, well, one thing I feel like we got to talk about here. Also, wait, wait, we're not going to talk about it yet, but I do, jumping just for a quick standard, 
because I realized I was being too vague earlier. I was not referring to Tim Allen as uh, the controversial figure. I know some people. All right, I just want to have that on the record. I was not referring to Tim Allen. Oh no, I thought I didn't think that. I I didn't. Okay, know. good. I, I, I realized man, that might have been. been I just looked up. Not... You said the director, and I looked him up, and it was like allegations. I'm like, yeah, there. We gotta <laughs> talk about because he's such so synonymous with the early Pixar style. Yeah, Randy Newman. <laughs> We got yeah, Randy. Is Randy Newman controversial? <laughs> no, 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 no. I just realized, like, when I said we got to talk about it, I was like, oh, that sounds like how whatever I go, like, oh, we have to talk about John Lasseter right now to clarify we don't condone him. Yeah. You know how I said that, like, in every episode of ours? <laughs> like, thank, thank God you're not catching the live reaction to me learning that there are allegations against our own Randy Newman, what? friend of the pod. I couldn't, I couldn't deal with that. I thought okay, that's what you were I was going to say, oh, oh, not, oh, not Randy. Randy. Newman. Oh. No, I think no. Randy, I think Randy's okay. <laughs> Randy's fine. Ran- yeah. No one, no one hates Randy. Yeah. Fingers crossed that I don't find out afterwards. Because, okay, okay. We Side have two weeks here. for this. <laughs> I remember once someone tried to cancel Randy Newman for writing short people. What? <laughs> not, not in my book. We're not canceling him. Uh, no, but okay. What, what about Randy, Randy Newman? Yes, Randy Newman. Very synonymous with the Pixar style early on with the style of music in it, but also just the songs that pop- there's three songs in this movie. Obviously, you've got a friend of me, yeah, but then the other ones that are always overlooked Strange Things and uh, I Will Go Sailing No More. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> well, when they hit, yeah, the, right? that, that first, like, um, I mean, at the, at the beginning of the movie, that very first, like, tuba. And like brass sort of, of you got a friend in me. That's like as iconic an opening as I mean, at least in my opinion, can I can think of. Yeah. What yeah. bothers me? Where did you? What did you watch this on? I know. I, I presume just, I watched it on my computer. On Disney Plus, I assume. Yeah. All right. I watched my Blu-ray, which is the same thing as Disney Plus. But I don't know if you guys noticed, this has the new uh, Disney logo on it because they re-rendered the film in 2000. It's still the same animation. They just re-rendered it so they could run it for their 3D. Stuff, oh, okay. You know, yeah, because they had to put out a 3D release. Otherwise, they'd have to, like, do a really bad 3D conversion. Oh, they, they'd have to do uh, a diorama. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, so, like, uh, but that's why the movie actually doesn't open with the same music it used to, because it used to have, you know, obviously the classic 90s Disney logo, and uh, the music mm-hmm. would come in over that more in the Pixar logo, which is a little bit of a bummer, but, like, what are you going to do about it? I'm not going to go out of my way to try to seek out the original logos for Toy Story 1. <laughs> Uh, but I agree that the opening music immediately takes me back to my childhood and watching this film. And I feel like the score of the movie is just as good as the songs. Um, and it gives you such a personality to what this whole franchise is, you know, like even when I was watching, I'm not going to talk about Toy Story 4 again. I'm not allowed to, uh, (laughs) so we're going to talk about it eventually. But even when like, you know, the score came on the opening of Toy Story 4, I was like, whoa, there I am back in Toy Story. Uh, the music is such a part of the audio aesthetic of this film. Uh, but yeah. Randy mm-hmm. Newman. Randy Newman. I, yeah, maybe it doesn't need to be said that Randy Newman is a fantastic composer with kind of a goofy signature voice, yeah. even though it's like how it is. But I think a great example of what you're saying, Danny, is how the sailing song like is a little mix of him on his piano. And then it also blends with the orchestral stuff orchestral stuff that we hear in the rest of the movie that that da, 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 da. it's all yeah like, it 
it goes back and yeah. forth between that, which I, I thought was really cool on this watch. Yeah, and there's a lot of great... Um, I talked a little bit, we we looked at about the, the like, horror elements with uh, Sid, and, like, the, you know, the tense, frightening music is great, too. Yeah. And then there's even, like, that little... It, it plays a bit with, like, the major and the minor when they're chasing after him because you see these familiar characters and then also the ones that are just straight-up creepy. Yeah. Um, Which brings me to something I wanted to... I was thinking about and I wanted to pose to y'all. Um, compared to current Pixar movies, you said, Danny, you mentioned how they become a little more emotionally hearts, emotional heartstring pulling. In in let's talk about it. In what ways is this like a kids' movie? Because me watching this, um, and this gets a little bit into how I saw it as a child. <clears throat> a lot of, I mean, especially like the Don Rickles stuff. Like that's all. That's all adult jokes, and I would say those as a kid and not know what was going on. And I mean, there are physical gags, but I mean something now like you know what you know you know what I mean though. Like there are written jokes for kids in some contemporary animations, but this it is nearly all kind of classic back and forth humor. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's very much. Um... Because it's this colorful um, animated movie with all these toys in it, um, kids are going to watch it, and I think it's the classic sort of, um, a lot of these jokes are going to go over kids' heads. I did not know until last night, or I didn't remember, that You Uncultured Swine comes from this. I had, I just thought that's something people said on the internet, and I was like, oh yeah, they said that in this. And then of course, like Don, Don, because I mean Don Rickles would, I mean his, his stand up is like, you know, yeah, not you know, no, yeah. couldn't be anywhere near this movie, but um, he, uh, yeah, I mean, and there's and, and like the stuff with Sid is very much like like a horror movie, like body horror stuff. Um, and even, uh, like there was a one where he's like, oh, you don't have a laser. What do you have? Laser envy. I mean, which like no kids. That one gonna... I never got yeah. as a kid. I was no, just like, nobody what? would ever yeah. get that. I think, but it's like that with Shrek. There's so many jokes in Shrek that are like very obviously adult jokes. The difference is though, is that Shrek is so based into referential humor. It is. That a lot of stuff in Shrek does not hold up. Whereas this, the most referential humor you're going to get is like, oh, Don Rickles said a line from his act. You yeah, know, and like whatever. What I was mm-hmm. going to say is very quickly though, because we forgot we were, we named all the great people in this movie voice acting wise. Because obviously Tom Hanks, I think Tim Allen, fantastic in this movie. Really like it's really funny to think that there was a point in time that Tom Hanks and Tim Allen were given equal billing, but it's still like and, and he's great in this. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. but also yeah. Don Rickles, he's great in this. But I have to give equal credit. To Wallace Shawn Wallace. as Rex. Yeah. Wallace Shawn oh, as Rex in this is... He's great. Fantastic. Fantastic voice performance. But just real quick, it's another thing that's not referential humor, but is like perfectly written for the movie humor. I think I mentioned this to you like a month ago when I watched this movie, is when he goes up to Buzz and says... I'm so glad you're not a dinosaur. Yes. And that's like the thing that Buzz, it's like, it's like how, you know, some people like force that kind of, uh, that kind of dramatic irony in a lot of ways. But I mean, that line is perfect based on everything we know about both of them. And it's, it just like, that's another thing. It's like, 
more amazing than it is laugh out loud funny for me. I'm just like, wow, you nailed that interaction. It's incredible how how often that like kind of doesn't work. But but go yeah. on with what you were saying, Danny. Well, what I was gonna say because I'm going back to the question of like, how does this play to kids? Right, that's what you said. How is this a kids movie? And I think everything you guys are saying are right. But I think as a kid whose favorite character in these movie was Buzz, we cannot get over the brilliant comic invention. And I want to make that very clear, because this has been ripped off so many times since this. As far as I'm aware, this is the first mainstream appearance of this trope. The Space Ranger who thinks he is an actual Space... The Space Ranger toy who thinks he's an actual Space Ranger. Because that is really the comedic conceit of this entire oh, film. Oh, yeah. Because um, mm-hmm. the thing is, is like, there's that Disney movie Bolt, which is literally just... Oh, this TV dog thinks he's an actual superhero. There are so many times we've had like this conceit ripped off. Pixar itself, Toy Story 2 and 3 bring back this conceit in different ways. Like, cause it's like, how do we do this character without it? Because it is such a good comedic idea to put this guy in this thing. And in all honesty, let's be real here. My one of my thoughts when watching this movie, you know, like when Buzz has this existential depression and like he comes out, I'm honestly like. You know, this is a kid's movie, so it's okay he can get out so quickly. Because in all honesty, if we're going from the Buzz Light, which is... We, we'll, I've talked about that in other places, but the Lightyear movie is ridiculous to imagine Andy seeing it in 1995. But let's say that is the Buzz Lightyear, and then immediately Toy Story happens after me and he discovers, actually, you're just a toy. That would, like, not, like, get over with so quickly. <laughs> but, like, we'll allow it, because... Oh, yeah. It's a kid's movie. Because it's just like, you do think he's like, going back to the original intent of this film, he's like Captain Kirk, right? And yeah. Captain Kirk was just told, actually, you're just a toy. You need to take care of this one kid. You would not get over that so quickly, but who cares? Like, the comedic conceit of it, like the you are a toy scene, or, oh, it's just, it builds to so when, many great when, jokes. When in he, this. like, <laughs> when his helmet comes off or it retracts, and he's like, I can't breathe. He's like, oh, wait, yes, I can. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's... And I think you're right. In all realisticness, if somebody realized they're an entirely different being, uh, that would ruin them for a long time. But you do but you do have it quickly, so you have that great scene of them about to be tortured and blown up by Sid, and, you know, Buzz is figuring out, he's like, oh, you know, I'm just a toy. And then and Woody is, like, finally, like, on his own and not in a selfish way being like... Well, I really was kind of a jerk back there to you, Buzz, and I'm not, you know. And you just have that beautiful moment with him in the in the milk crate, and you know, yeah, yeah. It's really that's like as I said, I think I might have alluded to earlier. This movie doesn't have like the big Pixar emotional moment, but that is the the first seed to getting there yeah. in Toy Story, like two and later on. That is like without that scene, I don't think the whole movie works or like, executed at a. I mean, you have to have that scene there, obviously, yeah. for the plot to work but executed at any lower quality than it is the whole movie doesn't work oh, of course but really like as a kid like i don't know anyone who was my friend like people now are like oh yeah woody's the best because as an adult i think most people are do come around to like yeah woody is the main character he's obviously the best character in this movie but as a kid buzz is both buzz so buzz. funny but he's also cool because you know at yeah. the end he falls with style like and he gets the rocket like he's the one who saves the day really so yeah mark i think you underestimate the appeal to the kids of what a space ranger toy is <laughs> well i mean i i had one it's just we think about kids entertainment a little differently now or i mean maybe maybe it's maybe it's the same and i'm just like completely unaware of like what kids think is cool 
<clears throat> I had a Buzz toy. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, we were talking about this in another episode. It's like the whole movie is about why would you like Buzz more than Woody? But I don't know anyone who had a Woody toy. And my brother had a Woody had... toy, but it's because I had a Buzz toy, so like he got stuck. With it, so. <laughs> Man, that you is got the Mad a, Cats controller. Su- it's I. I'll just say maybe this isn't you know talking about any specific other movie. There is like no pandering in this movie. Oh, yeah. which is fantastic. Yeah, and I remember what I said to you last week in rewatching this because I want to retract something I said last week. And Kevin, I will get you up to speed. Is that last week we talked very briefly about the new Minion movie, yeah. which I had to go see with work. And I remember people have referred to the Green Little Men as the original Minions, and I feel like that is after rewatching, I'm like, mm, no, they're not. <laughs> they are in one scene of this film, a memorable scene. But they they were everywhere, though. I they mean, were, yeah, yeah, not that's as, true. They not were as a much marketing as, machine, not as much as Buzz, but yeah, they they were not like. Um, Anywhere close to, um, I mean, the, the the minions, which has become this, like, I mean, they're well, literally let's, everywhere. Let's be real, though. Like, the difference is that toys, Pixar, obviously, Pixar is a different studio than Illumination. Pixar, like, kept it focused on the story always. Whereas since the first Spickle Me movie, these movies just constantly been like, oh, we have a plot, but then we can cut back to more minion shenanigans. Yeah. But the minions is what we know the audience is here for. Yeah. Um, which is smart. I need to watch these Minions movies because intellectually <laughs> they become no, more don't. and more no. interesting to me the <laughs> more I hear about them. Watch the first one and the rest of them are that, but worse. It's fine. Yeah, pretty much. And I, I think I have the fir- I didn't like the first one either, personally. So there you go. Like, yeah. It only goes downhill from there. Yeah. Um, well, you did say you Sorry. did say last episode that you thought that the actual Minions or Minion analog was the Toy Soldiers, which now I rewatch. I was watching this and I disagree. I think that. It has I don't to think be. I said that, but okay. I, don't, I really don't think I said I that. I remember but. it because it was bizarre. I thought, I'm I pretty think. sure I said little green men, and maybe you took those as little green soldiers. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, uh, that's what the name of the aliens are, are also, little green. They're also, LGMs. Also, real quickly, I know th- Arlie Ermey is the general, just like, yeah. wonderful. Well, oh, yeah. That's I was like, going to say, in general, because again, we said this already, but I want to just have it for the record as a sentence. This supporting cast is. Amazing. Iconic all around. Like, think about, like, I want to, like, put it more into perspective is that I remember very briefly, it's a very little amount of my life, the time between this movie and Toy Story 2. And the fact that I went to Toy Story 2, excited to see all the characters back, and, like, knowing which characters are which, like, Slinky Dog, right? Like, like yeah. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Jim Varney. I don't know why I was going to say Blake yeah. Varney. Where did that come from? But Jim <laughs> Varney, fantastic. But, like, Every character here is so well dressed. You know, just just for the record, we have to mention Annie Potts and John Ratzenberger because I yeah. don't want them to feel left out. Uh, just <laughs> Friends of the pod, Annie Potts and John Ratzenberger. Well, John Ratzenberger Go will on. come up multiple times again and again on this podcast. I, I don't want this to become like an episode where I just go, like, oh, this bit's great, this bit's great. But like, it is a movie that, weirdly to me, I don't only just remember watch- the experience of watching the movie as a kid. But I know exactly where the commercial breaks would come on if I was watching this on ABC. <laughs> like, when they pop yeah. up, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is where we go to commercial. The one that really sticks out in my mind is uh, here going like, Mom, have you seen my Sally doll? What? Never mind. And it would, like, fade out on that line to the commercial break. <laughs> uh, but, because, you know, this is an 80-minute movie, and it has to fit a two-hour block, so we got to put in a lot of commercials. <laughs> yeah, and guess what? Kids are going to watch the whole two hours of it. 
So yeah, like, it was yeah. Toy Story. I can't miss yeah. Toy Story. Yeah, like what tapes of tapes of Barney? Like were they long? No, Barney tapes are like thirty minutes. But I mean, I yeah, had like, like the a bunch tapes. of them. Yeah, I had a bunch of poo tapes. Yeah, mm. Winnie the Pooh. Wait. Not like. Scat say. film. Yeah. <laughs> That's the bad joke. Yeah, a little, you got that a little bit of a little <laughs> interesting childhood show. there. Yeah. What a good humored. Uh, we got to break well, outside I, our. We, we should cut talk this entire segment. From the no, I was going to say. I have, a, about? I have a niece. I have a niece who's like almost two. What does she do? She well, she just um, I mean, there's all sorts of different things. I mean, we. I think she, we, she likes the Little Mermaid, which is good. Um, so I'd been able to watch that very recently, but, um, we, I mean, we do have a lot of streaming services, but we also still have cable TV. So we'll put things on. I mean, if we go to like Disney, not the Disney channel, cause it's like way different now, but, um, whatever, like they have like some Nickelodeon ones. that will have Paw Patrol or something on it, but they have commercials still. And, uh, no. Yeah. I remember when I went home couple times i just randomly like you know you're flipping channels at your parents house and you realize oh i don't have tv anymore because tv is terrible but you know <laughs> uh and then you just go oh you know what uh this spongebob episode from like 2003 is on sure why not like i'll watch nickelodeon a bit to watch some old spongebob to kill some time and then, like, these commercials come on, they're the exact, they're either, like, the exact same commercial you saw as a kid for, like, insurance, or, like, they are, like, some bizarre new toy it's, that you're like, oh, kids still buy toys. Yeah, but, they still have moon yeah. sand and, you know, yeah, the the weird puppets that you could put in your hands that are also blankets. I mean, There's they, a pillow. It's a pet. It's, it's a, a pillow, pillow pet. pet. <laughs> yeah but what what's your niece's like engagement with the movies do you do you just sit like wrapped um, or is I it mean, a little all of... when she was younger sort of but i mean she's very and she, and she doesn't just sit there and watch all the time i mean she's very active she's you know she'll she'll play outside she likes to play you know uh you know all over the place different toys so she doesn't sit there and just like clue to the tv um mm. All right. Um, I feel I mean, like we're winding down a bit. Yeah. Well, There's I one mean, last thing we got to talk about with this movie because it's where, in my opinion, you should always end your movie talking, which is about the ending. We got to talk about the ending of Toy Story. Ending's brilliant. I love it. Yeah. Like, because we really did kind of gloss over both, you know, the Sid's, like him revealing Toys Are Alive to Sid, which happens in none of these movies. That's, I feel like I always think about how people talk to me about this once where it's like, why. Well, I don't actually like the Aquaman movie, but a lot of people really do. And once someone defended to me as like, this is like the rare superhero movie today where they just threw everything in the first movie, not worried about if they'll get a sequel because everyone always like now holds stuff back for sequels. And I feel like Toy Story does that here because it's like, well, once we played this card, there's no reason to play it again. You know, we don't ever need to reveal the Toys Are Alive again to someone else. Um, and then of course we get the great also separately, the moving, uh, get catching up to the, the truck. Yeah. Boss, we missed the truck. <laughs> you know, all that. Yeah. Uh, not aiming for really the truck. Fa- a really fast-paced sequence that still is perfectly paced, where we get <laughs> the wonderful humiliation conga of Mr. Potato Head <laughs> constantly getting broken. We get Slinky Dog getting, like, a heroic payoff that still fails. Like, and I, I didn't mention him earlier. Like, you know, I said even, like, the non-speaking characters, like, 
really fit with the ensemble. RC, of course. Yeah. RC is such a big part of it. Yeah, it's just a brilliant third act that emotionally pays off the relationship between Woody and Buzz while still resolving their, like, outstanding relationships with both Andy and the other toys. And it's just a brilliant... And it's a very, very, like, in the same sense of what if toys could talk and did all this stuff, it's a very, like, grounding human moment when they fall into the car and the mom's like, I told you they were in the car. There they are. You know, like, you know, what if that happened one day? What if your toys just ran away and came back? I mean, that's, you know, it's so... You know, little things yeah, like that. Yeah, no, no, I get that, yeah. Uh, and that kind of, it happens throughout the movie, but that's like the perfect punchline to it, yeah. you know? Uh, I would do want to say, and I do want to be more positive on it, is that ever since someone pointed out to me the animation error in that sequence that at the very end, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no. Woody's and Andy's <clears throat> hand, finger goes through Buzz's back if you like freeze it at a certain time, but once you freeze it, you won't unsee it. Uh, oh, no. Buzz on the... Well, there's a, it's like clipping. It clips for the. I mean, there's buzzes. there's a lot of things. Uh, there there's um, yeah, I'll have to look for that. But there's one thing they do that in the Terminator, the first one, where when the Terminator rises out of the ashes, if you look in the background, you can see somebody's hand come up and pull a lever, and like oh, to pull yeah. him up. Oh. But yeah, no, it's it's always fun to see that because it's very much like, um, that's that's right, maybe yeah. the only animation error in the movie, which is like amazing. <laughs> Because yeah, yeah, because it is really like you only notice it if you've paused the movie ever at that time. But then since you know now you know the exact frame you're looking for. Now you can't unsee it. Yeah. Um. All right. Shall we um the wrap it up? It's yeah, because like, we have a little we opening wanna... and then we talk about the movie for a while. Good ep- good episode, and yeah. thank you so much, Kevin Hart, for coming on. Thanks for um, having your yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. I was gonna say yeah. thanks for having me. This was fun. I always enjoy uh talking about movies and. Uh, catching up with you guys, of course, because I haven't physically. I mean, we're over, we're over a streaming, but I mean, I mean, physically, I haven't like talked to you guys like face to face in a long time. Just mainly like messaging and tweets and stuff. So it was really cool to do this. We have more in the future. I want to get you back on sometime if if it all works out. Um, what plug your um? Would you plug yourself again, please? Of course. Um, Um, yeah, I have several projects i'm working on um uh actually outside of the radio station uh my friend max and i and i've known max he i used to he used to be my neighbor he's one of my best friends we actually do a podcast called too bad to watch with the number two and uh we talk mainly about sequels uh we just talked about return to oz um and toxic avenger 4 which Never that never watched that one terrible movie, but uh, those episodes are on Apple Podcast, I think. Um, they're at least we have a Spreaker link, um, which I can uh, I can send to you guys if you want to send it to us, and we'll put hey, it in the yeah. episode um, thing. I'm gonna tell you right now, you ever do an episode on Paul Blart too? You have to get me on because I saw that on opening night. Okay, Paul Blart. I'll have to. <laughs> I went yeah. opening night to Paul Blart too, and there's a whole story there that I won't say. Right okay. Now, but, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we have through that. Um, uh, the radio station. I still do. Uh, Let's talk arts and entertainment, which is a catch-all of things. A lot of it's local Springfield stuff, some local theater uh, things, which it's always fun to talk to people and talk about. If you enjoy theater, I mean, you might like it. Um, I also, with that, also do segments with uh, Mike Winmacher, who works at the radio station. We do something called Way Out Wednesday, where we just find ridiculous news stories and 
joke about them. We do an SNL adjacent sort of like weekend update thing, which is on my Facebook page right now. Um, and I am always doing musicals, um, or plays and they're in the Springfield area. So if you're close, I'd love to see you in the audience, but, um, I can always just love talking about them. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kevin Hart. Fantastic. Um, our, our our first guest, you have Christianed it and you've made it a good Good thing. I love I it. I'm going I, have, I, had, <laughs> I had so much fun. It was a fun way to spend a couple hours with you guys talking. It's fun. Yeah. Right. Now we gotta see All what right. we're doing next week. Okay. Without you. No offense. Oh, uh, I forgot. I, I mean, was gonna be can... like, our stuff is pre-recorded and we'll just end it now. But yeah, right. No, we no, have no, something no. else to plug. So we did have something planned for next week, but as you might remember, I saw oh, that's right. James in the giant peach this morning. And uh, I was very surprised in the credits discovered that the storyboard supervisor for the film was member of Pixar Brain Trust, Joe Ramft. And so I did a little research after it, and I saw he also did uh, storyboard supervising on another Henry Selleck film that's a bit more classic from the 90s, which is The Nightmare Before Christmas. So we are going to do a double feature detour episode next week about Nightmare Before Christmas and James and the Giant Peach. So, yeah, come back for that. We won't have a guest because okay. we're talking about two movies, so it's it's a lot. Yeah. So, <laughs> we're just but yeah, like, we will I'll knock this out. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Wahoo! Yeah. Wahoo! Looking for the Ocean, a Pixar podcast, is produced by Mark Young and Danny Vincent. Our original logo was designed by Sarah Knopf. And you can find us at Facebook at Looking for the Ocean, a Pixar Journey. You can find us on Twitter at Pixar Journey and on Instagram at Looking for the Ocean Pod. You can also email us at LookingfortheOceanPixar at gmail.com. If you want to know what I'm up to, everything is available on my website, MarkYoungPerformer.com. You can listen to my other two podcasts, Wise with Ty and Dan, and The Snub Club, wherever you can find your podcasts. You can also find me on Letterboxd at BlankMints for all my takes on all of the movies. We'll see you next time. See you next time.